Hello there and welcome to episode 14 of the Hawthorne's Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay and I am joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother Joe Clay. Hello. I'm going to start this podcast a little bit differently today. I just wanted to start by saying a huge thank you for all the messages of support we've received over the last few days. Obviously, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you may have noticed that this podcast is a little bit late coming up this week. We lost someone in the family, so we've been navigating that. And I just wanted to start off by saying that we were really grateful for all of the lovely messages that we received. So we very much felt the love of all the Albion family. So real big thanks for all that. And so as a consequence of that, we are now recording just after the Sheffield United game, which means that we're recording much later than we usually do. Our usual slot has been pushed back a little bit. So this has the kind of feel of a bit of an after-hours podcast tonight. So the boys will be using their best smooth jazz voices to soothe you in this post-Watershed episode. But first, as always, a huge thank you for downloading the podcast. Podcast. Let me encourage you to continue to engineer situations in your life to get new listeners to the podcast. I've decided this week a little bit of a espionage approach to get new listeners. And this is what I want you to do. If you see someone lay their phone down, even if for just a moment, I want you to pick it up and download the podcast onto their phone so that it's there ready and waiting for them when they pick it back up. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Very good. Well, that's the plan for this week, at least. So on this week's episode, we will be talking about the heart attack inducing heart attack football game we saw against Luton very briefly with that one before moving on to tonight's thrashing of the blades. And boys, can I just say we're top of the league? And I have to say this season looks like it could be that we might be having a laugh for a lot of it. Football's coming home, Jamie. (laughs) Brilliant stuff. So let's start off tonight's podcast. I'm saying tonight's podcast, trying to give it that ambience straight out the gate there. Let's talk tonight about, very quickly and briefly, about the game that took place this weekend. We won't dwell here too much because obviously a lot of the conversation has moved on after the excitement of what we've just witnessed just a couple of hours ago. The game finished 3-2 to Albion. It was a, a game that felt fairly comfortable for a large portion of it, but then after a kind of bit of a horror injury in the middle of the pitch when Sam Johnson collided with one of Luton's attackers ended up meaning that there was a, an astonishing amount of stoppage time added on the game and in that stoppage time Albion seemed to not collapse but find themselves under a huge amount of pressure and that pressure told and Luton stole back kind of don't need to go through the whole drama of what happened on the day guys but what were the kind of key things that kind of stood out to you from this performance against Luton? I think we played great the first half. Again, straight out, closing down players, valuable. But I just think what makes us come unstuck is if the other team put a, a bit of pressure on us and do very similar to us. And I think our players don't handle that well like we saw in the second half. But I think we did play well. I, I was there with my son and my voice was hurting at the end and my heart was hurting. And it was a good game, but... It's hard to take. It is hard to watch. There's no two ways about that. Al, what did you make of the game? 
So I thought the atmosphere looked like electric, the first home game with home fans for a very long time, you know, and I I thought they took every advantage of it. The electric start that we had, you know, picking up three goals, really dominating the opposition. I think it's it's evident that, well, it looks as though we're going to do this quite a lot this season, just absolutely running teams into the ground and then perhaps stepping off the gas a bit, which hopefully won't result in drop points. But I think we'll win a lot more than we draw or lose. A a couple of uh, defensive mishaps looked bit worrying but again I think it's they must have taken the foot off the gas but really encouraged by the the start first home game of the season. I think it's worth bearing in mind as well I know it's difficult to tell too much from the table at the moment but I've got a sneaky suspicion that Luton are actually probably a very good side I know a lot of kind of national podcasts have spoken about Luton as being potential dark horses for a playoff spot this season And, and I do wonder whether we've just played kind of three of the more difficult teams in a row it may well turn out that Sheffield United are rubbish but I do think that Luton seem to be having uh, much more success against other teams and perhaps it is just that Luton are a good side and we've done very very well to kind of assert ourselves and get into a position whereby even when they did kind of turn it on and maybe we did take our foot off the gas we were already kind of well out of sight really anything else worth mentioning about this match? Just a shout out to that Jordan Clark, the one who was injured. He's all right and he's on the mend. He did do a shout out through Luton's Twitter for the Samwell Hospital, bigging up all the nurses and doctors there. So that's nice of him. And um, I was just going to say um, Grant's first Hawthorne's goal. Just uh, I think just to, to note that, I think it hopefully it'll be the first of many. He's definitely looking like the player we signed now and I can see him going on to score a few goals this season. I must confess, before that goal, I was giving him absolute mayhem because he can't finish his dinner. But he finished that dinner at that time. It's clear to me, Joe, that we need to get you shouting at him every game somehow. Mm. Yeah, that extra motivation. He probably heard your voice from the crowd and that was enough just to kind of push him into completing that finish. At one point, though, I did think he'd missed that chance. But Carlin Grant, for, I mean, he might not be a kind of the most natural finisher in the world, but he, especially after to watching tonight's game, that guy covers some ground during the match. He really does continuously bring this counter-press in. The energy levels that he displays are, are kind of remarkable. One of the things that I did notice on the game, and it kind of upsets probably a strong, word to use but when Kenneth Sahore came on he obviously struggled he's obviously not our answer at the number nine in my opinion at least really didn't do much seemed to not challenge for certain balls but then was kind of being jeered by the the home fans which to me seems like counterproductive and I was just like I don't like that I felt a bit sorry for Kenneth so yeah that kind of well I didn't put a damp note on anything really but I just felt a bit sorry for him really more than anything else but it was great to be back at the Hawthorns and to see it crowned off even with that late pressure it's still three points and I think it's three hard earned points against a good side just a big shout out to Sam Johnson in that game for the difference he made seeing Sam Johnson come back into the team I know he there was kind of a little bit of a mix up at the back that resulted in one of the goals but that chance that he saved at the very very end to me secured the points ultimately it was worth a goal almost I agree okay that's good So let's move on to the Sheffield United game as it's very fresh in all of our memories. It finished 4-0 to West Brom. Another own goal caused from a monster throw-in. It seems to be... Oh, it seems to be causing all kinds of havoc at the moment with this Darnell Furlong long throwing. And we've got our very own Rory Delap in the making, it seems. Then O'Shea scored a goal off another set piece. 
Moa scored his first goal for the club, as well as Callum Robin notching up his third goal in three games. Guys, let's talk a little bit more detail about this game. What did you make of the game as a whole? First half, we set out a high press and we saw straight away after, you know, the Callum Robinson disallowed goal, they weren't handling it very well. So I think it put them on the backstop, Sheffield United, and I think they were scared straight away. As soon as that happened, they were scared, the defence was scared, and it crumbled from third minute for Sheffield United. And we just continued with our game plan, played well. Again, like you just said, Furlong with his long throws, it just causes havoc. Moat with his set pieces, his corners. I think the game was Valerian Ishmael to the dot. That was all we needed. I just a shout out for a clean sheet. First clean sheet of the season. Nice. We love shout a clean sheet. Going on tonight. Goodness me. Yeah. Shout out Central in the After Hours podcast. Yeah. I know, yeah, I was gonna say, like we're supposed to have soft jazz voices here, not shouting at everyone. Mm. I'm on the uh, BBC Radio Extra. No. <laughs> on the sports bar. Yeah. Right. So Al, tell me, what did you make of the game? Looking at Twitter, WBA, the official Twitter account, tweeted, Are you not entertained? Uh, like Are the gladiator film. And um I was surely entertained. You know, what a get what a game. I just love watching the Albion at the moment. I think Ishmael's been an absolute revelation. You know, the way that he's got the team, I think every player has seems to have improved. Livermore looks different player. Furlong looks like a worldie. O'Shea looks different player. Really, really impressed. I didn't give the Sheffield United players any second on the ball in their own half. It was like they must have been terrified, but really, really enjoying the way and the style of football at the moment and long mate can I have to say it's it's kind of thrilling to watch it. It's so aggressive. It's everything we weren't last season as we kind of constantly chase after the ball and this pressing system. It wasn't quite as frantic and hectic as perhaps the Bournemouth game, the Luton game and the Sheffield United game. It does seem to be a little bit more stepped back. It's not quite as frantic as that initial Bournemouth game was. But the amount of times that it succeeds and we win possession high up the pitch is remarkable. As I was driving home in the car, you hear so many people phoning into talks sport and they're saying how rubbish Sheffield United were and it's true Sheffield United weren't great on the night but I do think a lot of that was to do with the way we were playing and they were trying to give us credit I know but ultimately when you have people constantly in your face and there is no forward pass option because Matt Clark and Carl Bartley and Dara O'Shea are winning absolutely everything that comes out of the heavens I I think lots of teams are going to watch that performance tonight it's a real statement victory so let's have a look at this game in a little bit more detail Obviously, as Joe said, there was a kind of couple of goals that were chalked off very, very early in the game before another one of these kind of, I'm going to keep saying it, Rory Dilapstaff throw into the box. What have you made of our set piece threat this season so far? Obviously, we've got three huge centre backs, but the delivery, it just seems that every time the ball comes in the box, it's absolute carnage. It's Matt Clark what causes the difference, he's the difference in there. He's always getting his head on it, there or about, or causing the defenders to cause an own goal, like what happened today. And I think we're brilliant at it. Furlong's brilliant at his long throws. Connor Townsend isn't as good, but Moa and Furlong from corners, they just bang on the money. They've obviously worked on this on the training ground, and it's down to a T. They all know their roles in a set piece, and I think that's where we score most of our goals this season. How important would you say the towel is in all of this? Uh, that was brilliant. I love the fact that we had a towel man and uh, he looked like he knew what he was doing as well. Like 
professional toll man. So that was really impressive. I just want to say a couple of things on the, the furlong throw. Joe, Joe mentioned it earlier. It tickled me. <laughs> so he's, I think his name should be furlong throw from now oh, on. Oh, I like um, that, mate. But then there's, there's also... Imagine you're a Sheffield United player. You know, you've got a player running at you. All right, hang on a second. Is this like a meditation time? So we're all like closing our eyes and now imagining we're a Sheffield United player. This feels like after hours kind of stuff. But I'd hate for people to imagine themselves wearing red and white stripes because that would just be incorrect and uncoif, I think the word is. Is that a word? (laughs) But yeah, imagine you're a Sheffield United defender and you've got Moat running at you at 20 plus miles an hour. You've got two options really. You can kick it out or try and do something risky. If you kick it out, you're going to risk a furlong throw. And if you don't, then you're going to risk losing the ball to the attackers, potentially losing a goal. So, what a tricky position to be put into. You, you wouldn't know what to do really, because if you, you kick the ball, you're damned. And then if you keep the ball, you're damned. So, it's like puts them in a really, really horrible position, which I think is a touch of genius. Absolutely. There was a bit of a, a dark meditation that we've been guided through there by Alex, um, but we're all grateful for it nonetheless. So everyone now, come out. You're no longer a Sheffield United defender. You're back with us and listening to the podcast. But you're absolutely right. I'm all for it. I, th- I thought I was more of a football purist than I am, I guess, in that sense, because I do think that set pieces have like a little bit of a reputation of being archaic, primitive football. But the way it kind of is launched in and it's just, just rattling around until someone scores, I'm all for it. If it means that Albion are beating teams 3, 4, 5 nil, and just scoring for fun, more of it for me. Uh, another little point to touch on. O'Shea nabbed himself another goal. A little bit of a goal mouth scramble again, but it's seeing him just really emerging as one of our standout players of the season already and one thing that I thought was particularly interesting towards the end of the game when Semi Ajay was brought onto the pitch it seemed to me though and I don't know how clear this was on the Sky Sports coverage that Semi Ajay went into the back line and Dara Shea was pushed into central midfield alongside Alex Moet. And I thought that was really interesting because all of a sudden the midfield was really chunky and really difficult to get through. And I noticed him putting in a few crunching challenges in the middle of the park. He's got a similar stature to Livermore as well, to be fair. And he passes like Livermore. Is, I think versatility from you, your back line into midfield, that's all you need. And O'Shea, for me, he was there about to be man of the match. I'll shout him out as well. <laughs> Brilliant player. <laughs> Constant shout. Say versatility in an Irish accent. Versatility. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. Sound like Chris Brunt, but what are you making of uh, Super O'Shea, Al? I think he's one of these players that's been revitalised by uh, Ishmael Miller. Not Ishmael Miller. <laughs> Valerian Ishmael. Big Ish doing a job. <laughs> We've all been revitalised by Ishmael Miller at some point. <laughs> yeah. Let's give Big Val some love too, though, Al. Yeah, I, I just think O'Shea, I think he's just somebody else in O'Shea's skin, to be honest. You know, he's just playing that, yeah, that much better. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, I think he's been brilliant, you know. Again, like, I'm just really pleased with Ishmael and the, what he's done and again I think O'Shea's benefited from his tutelage and he looks like he's becoming a better player he'll soon have Premier League teams sniffing around if not playing for us in the Premier League next season Absolutely and I thought what Joe said last week when he made this kind of hypothesis that Ajayi was perhaps being held on the bench 
to play in central midfield because he's played there in previous seasons for other clubs, I think at Rotherham. But obviously now it seems that it's going to be O'Shea making that step up into midfield, which is really interesting. I do think Semi Ajayi has been unlucky, really, to lose his position in the team. So I do think he's a quality defender, especially with the, the amount of pace he brings. It certainly seems as though he now finds himself ahead of Cedric Kipre again, which kind of makes a lot of sense to most fans. How impressed have you been with Alex Moa? Obviously, he scored the goal today, as Joe has already described, and obviously these corner deliveries we've spoken about. But when you watch him, he, there's so much more to his game than that. He's constantly harassing the opposition. What do you? What have you made of his start to life at the Hawthorns? I'd put him on an all-round Conor Gallagher type of player. He breaks down play. He can put the ball in. He can score a goal and he doesn't make too many fouls. I know he got two yellow cards out of the three, but he didn't get a yellow card tonight, which is mm-hmm. a plus. He he will make the last ditch foul like against Luton. I think they're running down the line and he took him out. And I think that was a similar one at Bournemouth. So he's clever. He's a very clever player and his attacking sense and his set pieces are outstanding. I think it's it could be the sign of our season, to be honest. Shout out to Alex Mowat then. Al? completely see where Joe's coming from. I agree, there's definitely similarities with Conor Gallagher, but he's got a lot more product, whether that be attacking-wise or defensive-wise. You know, he's committed more important tackles and he's setting up goals, scoring goals. I, I totally agree. I think he's a sterling signing. Again, like, I think he'll be our captain one day. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Alex Moore, he's he's got a little bit of that streak and nastiness that you want in the player, but as well as the nastiness, he's got the, the cleverness, as Joe said, but an end product, I think, as Alex has just said, where it's not just all about franticness and chasing. There's a real desire to try and do something with the ball. Super direct play, and I'm, I'm well impressed with his start. There's real industry in him, isn't there? Like he's, He gets stuff done. He's, he's a hard worker. Really like him. Yeah, great stuff. We saw another debutant. Adam Reach came on for a little bit of a cameo appearance. Didn't get to see too much of him, but he seemed to go wide on the left in kind of Townsend position and kind of Townsend kind of dropping into the central roles. I thought that was weird, but kind of Townsend handled the back three, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, he always, I think he's he's great anyway. But yeah, Reach looked a bit, he didn't look fully fit to me. He still made a few challenges, but he didn't look fully fit. It was only a snapshot of time, wasn't it, really, to really comment on what he's going to be like for the Albion. Connor Townsend wearing that bandage as well. And I get super nervous when players wearing bandages head of the ball and he put in some amazing headers. So well done, Connor Townsend. I think with Reach, I think he did duck out of a few challenges, which a few Sheffield Wednesday fans were playing, which concerned me. So I'm hoping that Ishmael tells him to cut that out and get stuck in. I'm just sitting here thinking about that game. And I don't know. I mean, I think we have done this, but just to say how exciting it was to watch the game and how amazing it was to watch Albion playing such an aggressive attacking game where 4-0 it finished, but it could have been an awful lot more. I can remember different chances fall into different players. Darnell Furlong's chance at the back post stands out when Connor Townsend whipped in a deliciously inviting looking ball to the back post. And unfortunately, he popped it over. Whereas Sheffield United themselves didn't look like breaking the nil. There was one chance, I think, that fell to David McGoldrick in the first half in front of the Brummie Road end. Can I just ask, why did McGoldrick put his finger in somebody's mouth? Did, was it Furlong's mouth? Did it you was, see yeah. that? Yeah. You must not. You might not have seen it, Jamie, because you no. didn't watch it on telly, but um, after he, he, he tackled him, he put his finger in his mouth. Very strange. I, I think 
McGoldrick chance obviously may have been at a pivotal moment in the match where they could have been able to do something to resurrect it, but obviously comfortably putting it past. And as you say, I didn't see this whole um, fingering incident with Darnell Furlong. Unfortunately, missed that one, um, but no doubt that was kind of crucial miss in the game. The other part is perhaps more interesting. Robinson got his third goal in three matches, as we've already said. Another bit of a, a scramble that he seems to took away. Before we got an appearance from Ollie Burke, which got a, a lovely reception from the Albion fans. I don't think in recent memory I can think of a player that is quite as unpopular as Oli Burke for not really having done too much wrong at the Albion apart from just be crap. (laughs) Yeah, I saw a tweet from the Second Tier podcast. It said, swapping Callum Robinson for Oli Burke is probably one of the worst deals in history, which I would agree with as well. He, he, he's put on some timber and ran the ball out. That's all he did today. He went on an amazing run that started just inside our half and ended somewhere in the Smethwick end. But Ollie Burke, bags of pace, bags of apparent ability, but never really been able to get it on a on a pitch with any kind of frequency. And that was that. That was Val Ball in full flow. Obviously, there'll be a load of post-match interviews going on presently. And I think that genuinely, the, the league has stood up and took notice of Albion today. I know there's been a lot of talk about Fulham and Sheffield United both having come down and obviously Bournemouth being the other big favourites to really make a promotion push this season. But for me, that's a complete statement win, not just to beat Sheffield United, but to do it in a fashion. And realistically, it could have been, as I've already said, a much heavier defeat. So let's wrap up this conversation about the Sheffield United game with your takeaway of the night, something worth mentioning, something for fans to keep an eye on in future games. I'll kick us off, get the ball rolling. One of the things I was particularly impressed with tonight was Sam Johnston's distribution, his kicking. There were two particular occasions that I can think of. One where he sprayed the ball out to Darnell Furlong. And it's if Perlo does that, it's got a YouTube clip attached to it. Is this the best pass of all time? The cleanest pass of all time? But this ball out to the, the right wing and the way Darnell Furlong takes in stride. And there was another one that I remember where it went to kind of Townsend. It's similar kind of ball sprayed all the way out to the touchline. Absolutely amazing distribution. It was part of his game that was perhaps more weak. It was part of his game that was had him behind Jordan Pickford in the England lineup. But for me, massive improvement in Sam Johnson's game, even the way he came out and commanded so much more of his area. So, yeah, Sam Johnson stood out to me today. Yeah, I just want to add to that, Jamie. I thought in the past, Johnson, sometimes his attitude, he tends to moan at the players quite a lot. But I'm, I'm, get, I'm seeing that he's, he's putting out a lot of good vibes recently. And I don't know if that's just because we're winning or whether it's something that's been picked up through spending time in the England camp or through through Ishmael's instruction. But he does seem to be a lot more positive and I feel like he's geeing the players up more now rather than sort of telling them off. Good cop, Sam, rather than bad cop, Sam. Yeah, yeah. the, the carrots rather than the stick. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what's your little mention of the week? Through the both games, uh, I think Clark has st- uh, stood out. I think he's a leader. I think he's like Bartley last season, winning every ball. And I think when he's up to proper fitness, because he obviously had some cramp or something wrong with him today, and he got uh, substituted off, I think it's going to be one of those loans, like not so much like Harvey Barnes or Dean Garner at that point. It's one of those loans that we're going to want to get because 
he's part of the squad. We'll miss him when he's gone. And I think he might look very old, but he's a great player. That's like we were saying before, Joe. That's what you want in a defender, isn't it? You want you <laughs> know, want a yeah. defender who looks like he knows what he's got experienced and he's been through wars and yeah. like, he's defend he's, he's not only defended footballs games, but he's defended like capitals against uh, <laughs> what? fortifications. One thing, yeah, one thing I loved with Clark, uh, I think there was a set piece in the first half, or and it, it may be in the second half. Kind of Townsend had some of his bandage holding off, so Clark just ripped it off for him. Just chucked it. Oh, that's that's teammates. That is. I think yeah. that's it's like comrades, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. ripping off the tourniquet and let's crack on with the battle. Yeah, Matt Clark, quality, standing out, putting in a shift. Al, what about you? So I, I reckon Robinson scoring three in three. His current goal rate. It looks like he's going to score forty six in forty six this season. So um, keep it up, keep it up, Robbo. <laughs> to be fair, crushing the maths. To be fair, when he scores a goal or anybody else scores a goal, he's celebrating the most and he's looking at the fans, trying to roll them up. And I think he loves it, doesn't he? He loves yeah. being down the Albion. Great stuff. So yeah, what a great night down the Hawthorns. Such a kind of fantastic start to the season. I think we were commenting off air about this start of the season Bournemouth, Luton and Sheffield United and it had the kind of makings of a trickier start to a season but to come out of that um, with seven points, really a, a great start to the season. I imagine I think Alex has said this in previous podcasts that the players can't wait to get to training and even though you expend loads and loads of energy playing the way that Valerian Ishmael wants them to play, it's almost like the victories and the way in which we win generate its own kind of energy Energy. Um, I can imagine last season when we were getting battered every week and we were sat in um, our shape and comfortable that that's more energy consuming than what we're watching at the moment. So a great victory. Blackburn up next. If I was Blackburn, I would be hugely concerned, but we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, I suppose. So let's move on. In the last week, we were drawn against Arsenal in the second round of the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, the Coca-Cola Cup, if you want to go old money with it. Um, obviously, I don't think we'll be playing a full-strength side in this one. Valerian Ishmael has kind of intimated in previous interviews that the league is obviously the priority and the rotation of the squad to keep this high-energy, high-pressing football is going to be key to league games. So I imagine that we're going to see an awful lot of changes against Arsenal. It's going to be a great opportunity to see some of the youngsters that kind of thrived and, and shone in the preseason. Castro springs to mind and obviously some of the fullbacks perhaps making an appearance. Another person who's kind of on the fringes of a return to the squad is Robert Snodgrass. He's had a good week though, Robert Snodgrass. Does anyone want to fill us in on the details of Snodgrass's week? Yeah, I saw he played a Premier League two game against Burnley, scored two and assisted one in 70 minutes of game time. I, I feel like I've never sort of had this kind of build-up to a player returning from injury before. I'm quite excited to see him return and playing for us. I don't know where he'll fit in exactly, but yeah, I think he's another sort of a feather in our cap. I don't know how I would have felt playing in that under-23s game, seeing Robert Snodgrass playing. It feels a bit disingenuous, but hey-ho, that is what it's all about, I guess. Uh, it's quite interesting. I was watching uh, the Brentford game, and that they've changed their structure altogether. So they've they've scrapped the under twenty three squad because uh, they were sick of bigger teams like pinching their players. So there's something to be said about the under 23s and whether it's worth just creating a B team and arranging friendlies like Brentford. But uh, we're digressing. 
Let's move on to some transfer speculation. Obviously, there's still two weeks left before the transfer window slams shut. I don't think Jim White's doing it anymore, but it will still be probably nonetheless as dramatic as that. Uh, An interesting quote from Valerian Ishmael um, in his Sheffield United press conference. We are aware of the market. We know exactly what we need, but we need to make sure that it is the right decision for us. That came from the Birmingham Mail. Interesting, really. I guess the movement has been so. We see other clubs around us seeming able to spend money. Fulham, obviously linked with a number of players and haven't already signed players. And Albion really yet to splash the cash at all, really, in any way. Obviously, we've got a number of players in, but... Now we all know that the money is there with the Pereira sale. What are you guys making of this kind of the next two weeks? How important is it? And and what kind of areas do you think that we really need to target? It's funny you say Fulham. I think I saw, I don't know if I heard it on the podcast or saw a, a news article about it. I think they spent 20 million and the rest of the championship has spent 21 million. So they've wow. spent nearly half, you know, it's they've got a load of money behind them. But I think personally, we need a striker and out and out number nine because Robinson's not going to be able to do that the whole season. Even Matt Phillips filling in for him ain't going to be able to do that. We might need maybe a midfielder, another one just in case Mowat or... Livermore get injured. Personally, I think we've got depth after that. There's been a few speculations, so I think we'll go into that in a bit, but I don't know what you think, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it, with the strikers, I think Tullock can come in. So, personally, I think we've got good squad depth throughout the team. We've got a number of players that can play in different positions, as we've seen with Dario Shea playing in midfield. We've got Phillips, who can play as a wing-back or a striker. You know, we've got, got a lot of youth that are sort of fighting to get a call-up to the uh, the first eleven. So, I reckon for us now in the transfer market, it's a case of just bringing in one or two good players rather than trying to fill out the squad. I think our squad's already there. It's just a case now of getting that better player, if we can, but a player that suits uh, Ishmael's setup better. And I think this is what Ishmael's basically saying, isn't it? Essentially, that it's about getting the right player. And it's, it's been something that he said from kind of almost his first press conference that it's not always just about spending what money's there, but making sure that the money's spent the right way. And I think the general consensus is that it's a striker, a central striker, and a central midfielder just to kind of add a little bit more depth there. Who drops out of the squad if a striker does come in? Because as you said there, Joe, Callum Robinson can't do it all season. But in 46 goals time, are we going to look a bit silly saying that? Who drops out of the squad? I have an idea who I think it would be, but perhaps it'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. Ishmael likes to rotate. They're all going to get it. There's always going to be someone dropped out. So... Let's say, I think Dean Garner's been probably the worst at the front three. So he probably dropped out. That's who I would have Rob- said, yeah. Yeah, Robinson will probably go to the wing. And uh, then if we get number nine, they'll go in the middle. But I think because they've been doing well for the first three games, he's not. he'll be happy to drop that number nine, whoever we get in, and go back to this system. So I think it's going to be more about rotation and not dropping someone. No one's getting dropped for bad games. They're just getting dropped because he needs them 100% fit for every game. Yeah, you can't help but think the style of play that we're playing at the moment is quite, with it being high-octane football, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be tiredness and fatigue. Perhaps I don't want to start this kind of conversation off too early in the season, but I haven't been impressed with Dean Garner at all this season in any of the games. He's had one or two moments where he's flashed 
but he's flashed and then done something that kind of seems to undo all his hard work. For how many people were touting him as like a comeback player of the year, he's really struggled. And I can see him making way for Robinson on the right-hand side and a striker coming into a more central position. That's who I would potentially drop. Yeah, I just think, like I said about Grant, I think that goal did him a world of good. Mm. And I think Grady... First name he, terms. He gets a, yeah, exactly. Or Diang, as he likes to put on the back of his kit. But I think after a goal, I think he'll turn it on a bit. I think a bit of confidence. He's very confidence-led. Yeah. He just seems really indecisive to me. He's got all the ability in the world, but doesn't seem to know what to do when the ball's at his feet. He doesn't know whether to take the man on. He doesn't know whether to cross the ball, shoot, pass. He really just seems to then, in that moment's hesitation, or he almost stalls in what he's doing. And and in that moment, a defender seems to just nip in. And there's some speculation that obviously he's not an unknown factor this season. So people are aware of his ability and are kind of putting extra men on him. I'm not sure how obvious that is when you're watching the games that are extra men are being put out to his side but nevertheless it does seem that there's a moment's hesitation and all of a sudden the defender's nipped in the ball or a moment's hesitation and he loses complete control of the ball i'm hoping that grady kind of refines form let's get back to some transfer news then we've been linked with a striker from spezia which is in italy mbala nozola Gianfranco mbala nozola Alex will give us the Wikipedia shot to the arm in a few moments' time. Why are we talking about shouting and shots? This is supposed to be the midnight session. Alex will gently apply a balm of Mbala Nazola to us in a few moments' time. So, Al, what can you tell us about him? He's a six foot one, which is, I've, I've noticed that quite a few players are six foot plus, <laughs> which I suppose. There's his no real secret, is it, in the footballing world? But he's, a, he's Angolan, but he was brought up in France. And he scored 11 goals last season out of uh, 25 appearances, which is just under a goal every game. I think it's worth noting that those goals were scored in Serie A for a side that was struggling in Serie A as well. I think it's that's quite a remarkable goal-scoring record. Yeah, and just to put that into context, if he was uh, playing a goal rate like that in the Championship, you're looking at around 23 goals. <laughs> These are the keen observations that people tune into the podcast for. Some players are over six foot and some players score more goals than others. I think this is why <laughs> we get so many yeah. listeners. I think um, Fulham are interested in him as well. Obviously, yeah. have the, they have the money to spend anyway. So I think... If I was that player looking at Fulham's front three with Mitrovic and Cavalio and all those, I think I'd be coming to Albion, not biased at all. Everyone, we want you to imagine that you're Imbala Nazola. You want to picture yourself sitting in your Spetsian home and wondering to yourself which flight you'd like to take to Birmingham International or to London, Stansted or wherever it would be, and just kind of allow that journey to complete itself in your mind and see where you end up, Fulham or West Brom. And let us know then, tweet us or whatever, um, where you ended up on your meditation journey. Let's move on from that weird segue, Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale looks like he's finally getting his move to Arsenal, which is strange to me, still seems totally bizarre that Arsenal have kind of pursued him to such lengths and are spending such a crazy amount of money on him. Never really been overly impressed by him, but obviously he's a young goalkeeper with plenty of potential, but that kind of means that 
Sam Johnson in all likelihood will be staying at the Albion. If he keeps putting on displays like he has tonight, though, in my opinion, on Sky Sport, he might be attracting a few more suitors. But it looks like Johnston's staying, which to me is great news. I don't think Ramsdale was at the team because he's going to Arsenal. I think Ramsdale's at the team because he's playing the Albion and he wanted to be in the stands supporting us. Oh, this got mentioned, actually, and I don't think it actually made it into a podcast edit that Aaron Ramsdale is an Albion fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big Albion fan. Loves Sam, uh, loves Ben Foster, sorry. And he played against when uh, Albion had Ben Foster. But I think he was in. I think he was in the home end. I think that's what's happened. I think he was in the home end. Maybe Smevik or Brummie he was in there sporting the Albion. Well, fair player and Ramsdale, and you know, I'm I'm more pleased about this now. I was happy that we get to keep Johnson, but now it's nice to hear that baggy super fan Aaron Ramsdale is has got himself a, a little bit of pocket money for moving to Arsenal as well, which is exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, Callum Robinson's a top goal scorer in the Championship. I did not know that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and let's wrap up this podcast a bit of a, a condensed super podcast covering a lot of stuff today. Um, with a quick mention about the Blackburn game on Saturday the 21st of August at 1500 hours. Would you guys make any changes to the starting lineup at all? What do you anticipate for that game? I would keep the team as it is, including I would leave Dean Garner in the team because I've got faith in him. I think he's got the skills, he's got the class. And as you mentioned earlier, Jamie, I think he, he, at the moment he's trying to be too clever. I just think he needs to work out what he needs to do with his talent, which he's definitely got. So I think the only way he's going to do that is with time. So I'd just give him as much time just to try and crack it, almost crack the code. I would I'd go the same uh, lineup. I think you can't change the winning formula. And I think we've got more than enough to be a Blackburn 5-0, probably. Is that your prediction this week? No, I'm just saying we've got more than enough to beat Blackburn. They've got the same points as us. They're not a bad team. Tony Mowbray. Ex-Albion manager. He plays lovely football. They've lost Adam Armstrong. They've got Ben Brereton. Uh, Brereton, is it? The one who went who plays for Chile? Yeah. Ben Brereton Diaz, isn't it now? They love him in Chile. He's like the Pepsi. He's like the David Beckham of Chile now. And he's on the Pepsi adverts and stuff like that. So Like Carl Bartley's the, the Beckham of West Brom. Yeah, exactly. They're not a team to mess about with. And I think they're going to be similar to a Luton team where they will play better football than we saw tonight at Sheffield United. And again, we're at Ewood Park, aren't we? So let's hope we can go and get three points. But I'd take a draw. Interesting then. Well, on that, let's hear your predictions, guys. Let's start with you, Al. I'm going to go for uh, 3-0 to the Albion. Joe? I'm going to go uh, 2 1 to the Albion. I'm going to put my score predictions. I'm going to say Callum Robinson to get 4 and 4. And then I'm going to go own goal. <laughs> own goal to get his third ga- goal in four games. Well, the, your... the own goal, the own goal, um, goal rate at the moment will, <laughs> looks like we'll end up with like 35 own goals, something like that. Oh, mate. I thought you was going to do the maths off your dome then. That was going to be well impressive. I think that Albion will win 4 0. Again. And Dean Garner will get his goal. Blimey now, you've said that. Yeah, I've said it now. And have we said it all? I think we have this week, definitely. Yeah. Good. It's been a bit of a super mega podcast. Let me just say once more, thank you guys for just being such a lovely bunch. 
um, the way you've messaged and supported the podcast this week. Hopefully, kind of get back to more of a normal schedule starting next week. We're still kind of working out how to handle midweek games. So if you've got any feedback about the podcast at all, please let us know. Please rate us on the, the platform or review us or whatever you can do. Follow us on Instagram, share us, Twitter, do it all. The more you can do, the better it is for the podcast and it going forward and its life. But all that remains for me to say today is a huge thank you to Alex. Cheers. A huge thank you to Joe. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the After Hours Hawthorns Debate Club this week and we'll see you. Terrifying. Terrifying.